Hey, Ken. Hey. It happened. How's it doing? It happened. Did you yeah. Know, did you know what happened after, after <laughs> years at this point of mm-hmm. internet boys going just going ham, mm-hmm. tweeting a hashtag about it. The Snyder Cut is coming next year mm-hmm. to HBO Max. Mm-hmm. Which, by the way, is not HBO Go, but it is HBO Now, which doesn't make any sense and will confuse people. Thanks. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I didn't go back and re-listen to our Justice League episode, but if I had to guess, I probably said something along the lines of, it doesn't exist, the Snyder Cut, and it will never come out. And I've been proven wrong... I've been proven wrong with half of that, but I've been proven right with it didn't exist because a lot of these fanboys begging for its release uh, were under the assumption that it was just done and completed and sitting in a shelf, which no, it was not. They're having to spend around 30 more million dollars to complete a lot of undone special effects to get this out. Which, like, yeah, there's a lot of CGI and visual effects that need done. Um, and and who knows, uh, how many visual effects shots that are just not completed? There's there's no way if they were going to release it, they could have released it just as like a work print that was unfinished. Right. That that would have been a disaster. But like, especially if they didn't like communicate beforehand that the Snyder Cut was going to be like that. But now they are making it exist, and I'm, I'm kind of confused as to what Warner Brothers is thinking, because they went through a lot of hoops to make sure that Justice League was saved from being this version. And then it came out, and it was bad still. And now they're going through a lot of hoops to make it Back to the way it would have been if they did nothing. Right. Now, granted, um, a lot of stuff that happened can't be blamed necessarily on anything but the situation that was that everybody was put in by, you know, Zack Snyder voluntarily leaving the production because of the death of his daughter. It's understandable. But, like, clearly Joss Whedon came in and did new things and Warner's was, like, okay with it. So they let it happen. They willingly let it change. So on on the one hand, I am happy for some people such as Zack Snyder, who finally get to like, you know, actually have the movie that they were sort of robbed of. On the other hand, I don't think this sets a good precedent for fandoms. Cause it is kind of proven that you can make a bunch of noise and be super annoying and harass a lot of people on Twitter and you will get your wish, which yeah. is kind of shitty and not great. It could be used for very <laughs> bad things. I think in this instance with justice league, it's like kind of harmless. I mean, as long as people are going to watch it, I guess it won't like, you know, but uh, yeah, 
I don't know, man. There's, I mean, this has kind of been a thing that's been happening for a while. This is the first time that people have like, yeah, sure. I mean, like, look, there's always going to be, you know, something like a show gets canceled and then everybody's like, no, it was so good. Don't end it. And then it comes back. And then, you know, family guys on for 20 years and I hope it, I wish it stayed canceled. <laughs> but anyway, you know what I mean? Uh, things like this happen all the time. This is kind of like an uncancelization, <laughs> I yeah, guess. Basically, I mean, uh, the Snyder, Snyder's Justice League was canceled. Yeah, and replaced with Whedon's, or a hybrid Snyder Whedon. Whedon. Sneedon. Sneedon. <laughs> <laughs> Ew. Oh, that sounds like a like an orc general or something. <laughs> I'm Sneedon. Uh <laughs> Anyway, uh, man, it gotta be sucked. It gotta suck to be Joss Whedon right now. It's gotta be fucking funny. It's basically man. We're all telling him that his version sucks. I mean, it does. So it does. Well, that, so let's get let's get to the the brass tacks of the matter here. It's gonna come out. We've already watched and reviewed Justice League for our show. Right. We're gonna watch this. Right. And I say. If if we deem it different enough, we'll slot it into the Batman series as its own thing. But if it's not different enough, we're not going to. So, like, after it comes out, we watch it and we get an idea of what it truly is. We can judge whether it gets its own episode or not. Okay. Because um, I don't know if this is necessarily, like, going to change how I feel about the movie. Like, it's there's two ways it could go. It could be, like the movie is still a piece of shit or the movie is still a piece of shit, but different. <laughs> like this is the only two options I think we have. Um, I, I don't know. Cause you either get Halloween six or like, I, I don't know. I don't see this being like a Richard Donner cut of Superman two, where it's like, Hey, th- this is maybe even better than the one that we got would have been better if this studio went with this, but I don't see it being like that. I personally don't. There's a lot of people that like Snyder for some reason and, and they're excited for this. I I can't join them, but I'll still watch it. So I guess that they win in the end. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know, man. This will be fascinating. This is fascinating, fascinating time we live in. Do you think this is thanks to the domino? effect of COVID-19 like would they think of doing this if there wasn't all of their movies having to stop production right now this is like an this is an example of a movie that they can just throw resources at and CGI animators can work from home yeah and I think think it I don't know if it would have been possible honestly (laughs) well they might not have cared to make it without COVID-19 happening and they're like well here's something we can release and make money on that doesn't necessarily require us to shoot a film right yeah because it's done yeah Uh, but the CG isn't so (laughs) I don't know it'll be interesting we'll see how it comes out I don't think it'll be that good I foresee it being just as bad um because like we said with our previous rankings, I believe we said Justice League was worse than BBS. And I think at least my argument for that was that 
BBS feels more like somebody's vision. It's a bad vision, but it, it feels like someone's like creative ideas being put to film. Whereas Justice League kind of just felt like a movie of compromises and a movie made by a studio as opposed to a human. So if Justice League is turned back into an, an actual Zack Snyder film, it would technically be better than Justice League, but I doubt it's going to crawl up the ranks any higher. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Because it's like still going to be a Zack Snyder film. So Right. It is not a very high bar. <laughs> You know, when we watched that director's cut of Batman v Superman, we still felt the same way about Batman v Superman. Yep. Didn't change anything. Not you know? really. No. <laughs> it was just more of it. <laughs> Hell yeah, more garbage! That's how mm, I feel about right. this. So what do you feel about uh, the next mission being releasing the David Ayer cut of Suicide Squad? Uh, more Jared Leto, dude. Oh, no. I mean... <laughs> Go for it, I guess, kids. Have fun. Nah, no thanks. I think we need to put a stop to that one. I don't think we need more Jared Leto in the world. I mean, I agree. <laughs> we need less, not more. Get him out of here. to the Gan Androb Show. That's Gan. Hey, it's me. I'm Job. Motor Show. Him. Today we're going to talk about Friday the 13th Part 4. The final chapter. I can't believe we're done with this franchise oh, already. Oh, quick. You know. Yeah, I thought there was a lot more Friday films than this, but apparently there's only four. Um, <laughs> oh, wait. Oh, God. Oh, no. Oh, no. I'm looking at the list, and there's we're actually not even halfway through, Justin. Why would they lie to us like this? Why would they do this to us? <laughs> Hi, I'm the audience from 1980s saying this. <laughs> why, why did they do this to us? <laughs> Tell us why. Anyway, um, I actually had a lot of fun watching that movie. God, it was funny. I think it's the most I've laughed at any of these movies so far. And I think this is the key enjoyment you're going to get out of them from now on. They they are not necessarily made to be horror films anymore. They're made to be dumb fun. They are they are almost comedies. <laughs> oh yeah, for sure. I, I think there was some scary stuff in this and some good gross out moments and kills, but like for the most part, I was kind of laughing. <laughs> like the whole time, and and a lot of it's not intentional. Yeah, but <laughs> like, yeah, some, like ridiculous acting or dumb moments that happen. It's uh, it's a uh, good shit. Yeah. But anyway, uh, we'll get to that shortly. What did you do this week, Juzzbang? Uh, not much. I started. I I did. Uh, I have resurrected my Twitch, and I have streamed Taiko no Tatsuji and Drum Section for the PlayStation Four Entertainment video game system for the first time this week. <laughs> that's that drum game where you play the drums yes that's a game I've talked yeah. about a couple times on this podcast that I adore 
And I, so I got an ability to start streaming yet. If you ever want to watch us, twitch.tv slash Tycho Jusby. We, we stream it on Tuesdays. It's Tycho Tuesdays. Ooh, that's good. That's good branding. Right? And Tycho Tuesdays. That's the branding on the, on the channel, and it's, it's some good shit. We have a drum cam. Drum cam. I, uh, I had to take a webcam and zip tie it to a boom stand, and it's hanging <laughs> over the drums. Sick. <laughs> drum cam. Oh, man. Happening. It was a good stream. So I you do have a webcam good. now, then? I do. Sick. Okay. Well, I don't want a video version of this podcast necessarily, but I did have an idea for our 100th episode, if need be. So that's going to be a momentous occasion. We're going to we're going to kill ourselves and never watch movies again. Yeah. But anyway, and we're going to film it and put it on. My, no, I'm just kidding. But like we're going to I don't know. We got to do something to have some kind of visual component. I feel to us ranking. A hundred films by then that we would have watched for our stupid ass show. And. Uh, it would be nice to have some kind of visual ranking component. If we can figure something out, but that's like twenty episodes away. Yeah, uh, no, 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 we could be down to live stream it. Maybe, and we would just upload the audio of it as the episode. Yeah, and we could also put a video of it up too. Sure, I'm not into putting my face out there necessarily, but we could discuss it. And we'll figure it out later. For now, yeah. um, I did, I did do a, do a couple little video gamey game things, just little stuff. Video games, yeah, little gamey games. Besides the Twitch, did a little gamey game. Um, mm-hmm. I started playing through. I bought the Halo Master Chief Collection on PC and I started playing through all the Halo games. Ooh. It's, uh. Yeah, those. That one. Yeah. That one. Those. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I started, I'm going in like chronological order, so I'm starting with Halo Reach. Oh, that's right. Reach is part of that now. Cool, cool. Reaches the uh, um, yeah, reaches the prequel to Halo. Yeah, uh, Master Chief Origins. Yeah, not really, gonna, but he's the there. I, of, the, of the Covenant attack on Earth and what what triggered the war, really. Yeah, it's uh, it's Rogue One. Yeah, basically. Or yeah. Rogue One is Halo Reach. I said I should say, <laughs> like literally. Um, but that's cool. So so it's Reach and Halo 1 through 4? ODST in there as well, maybe? Yeah. Now, they are not nice. on PC yet. They are releasing... Yeah, it's just... They just did two. So they right. got Reach 1, 2, I guess? Yeah, yeah. so they're releasing okay. them in chronological order. Uh, 2 just came out a few weeks ago. Um, cool. Apparently, 3 is going to come out uh, around... Between June and July. Okay. And that's... Before uh, sometime in the fall... Yeah, it'd be ODST and then four. So ODST, oh, ODST separate. probably in early fall, and then four and probably late fall. ODST is interesting. I haven't revisited that one in a while. ODST is a good campaign, actually. Matter of fact, I have never beat a Halo game besides two, and my memory is super faded because old. But like, I don't know. I remember them being good. I would love to replay through all of them. They are damn good video games, and uh, I, I love them very much. Halo is a special place in my heart. I spent a lot of my, a lot of my teenage years playing all of these games. Uh, Halo, Halo Two's online was my way to connect to my older brother while he was in college. We would, uh, well, I was still at home and like just getting out of middle school. Um, 
I he he got me an Xbox with an Xbox Live subscription in Halo Two for my birthday. Nice. And uh, we we were we played Halo Two together online on the original Xbox Live. Oh my god! I never even experienced that. I didn't get a like live until. 360 and even then i didn't have it for very long oh dude it was a fucking it was something i was always a single player bitch you know i never but hey whatever there's lots of single player games back then still oh yeah and now too uh but (laughs) well thankfully there was a period of gaming where they were just like a single player sucks let's just make you know online game online game and an online game yeah that died out rather (laughs) i'm glad yeah. I love single player, but I'm a lonely person. <laughs> so, but yeah, so I started with Halo Reach, and uh, man, it is there's a really really good game. They nailed it with the campaign. That was the last Halo game the Bungie worked on was Reach. After yeah, four. and uh, four is uh, whatever that company is that makes Halo games. Three four three Industries. Uh, yeah, I, was, I almost said 311. That's what came to my head. That's that's a band. <laughs> 311 Industries. <laughs> oh, no, they're making games now? Somebody stop yeah, them. It's just like the fucking Halo theme. Oh. And then just like some guy comes in. <laughs> oh, man, that's terrible. That makes me mad that I thought of that in my brain. Oh, well. But the uh, Halo Reach was really Bungie perfecting the uh, the campaign aspect of Halo, and like the different things they can make you do and interact with, and like the the big the big ass fucking just set pieces you can play on. It's all super super cool. Um, yeah, it runs great on PC. It's well optimized. That's why they're taking their time to get these done and put out. They're they're setting them up, optimizing them, and making them like properly workable for PC players. Really- That's super good. I'm glad it's not just ports. Everybody is probably like impatient, but like it's good that they're taking the time to make these optimized for a PC as opposed to just like here it is, but slapping it together. Exactly. Which and- a lot of PC ports are, and then they suck. Tell you what, man, you you ever seen Halo run at 200 <laughs> FPS? Holy shit. It's no. Fucking, it's fucking sick. <laughs> it's so cool. Christ. I love it. Well, you know, yeah, Reach was great from what I remember. And then they never made a Halo game again. Uh, you know, it's crazy. <laughs> Halo Force <laughs> Just never never did it. Yeah, but is it is is it the worst out of everything else? Uh five's the worst one. Worst campaign well, I meant I meant besides five. So uh, four and five are at the bottom is what I'm saying. Right. It probably goes five's probably the, the, I mean, it's not even like a bad game, but it's the worst campaign. And then four. Yeah. And then probably ODST. Reach to one. Yeah. Now, like I'm, I'm saying like four and five are like the Ant-Man movies standing next to like Avengers Infinity War. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, they're fine. They're still in the MCU. They're okay. I'd watch them. But look at these better, shinier things over here, like Guardians of the Galaxy and <laughs> Infinity War. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Same That's kind of how I've always thought of those. But hey, it's more Halo. Hopefully the next one is not is is better. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of confidence, though. <laughs> 
I have confidence that it'll be okay. But not great. Yeah. It's great. Great game. I don't know how much I can really say about it, but I adore it. And I've had a lot of fun playing through it again. And... Killing grunts is fun. Because they yell when you kill them. Oh, yeah. That's my review of Halo. You can put on, you put on all the skulls, too, so you can just put on Grump Birthday Party skull from the beginning. That's right. <laughs> I forgot about that. Remember when games had fun little cheats like that? And it wasn't like, you know, hey, pay $2 and you get Grump Birthday Party or something like that. That's what it would be like now. Yep. I miss unlockables. Yeah, yeah. I really do. Something that's just, like, very gone from games. It's stupid. I'm praying to any god that will listen that Tony Hawk, the new one, will will have actual unlockable characters, and it's not like, hey, it's Officer Dick for three ninety nine. I I will be so mad <laughs> if they do that. Oh yeah. I, please no. Just let me unlock stuff in a game in twenty twenty. It'll be nostalgic. <laughs> Yep, but speaking of, uh, What's up? yeah, speaking of nostalgic, I played a little game called Ghostbusters from, uh, I think 2000 fucking 10 or nine or some shit. Yeah, the, yeah, they released on PlayStation 4, right? Yeah, Ghostbusters Remastered. Um, so if you're not unfamiliar with this game, it's basically the closest you're ever going to get to a Ghostbusters 3. Uh, it was actually written by Harold Ramis and Dan Aykroyd. Yep. And actually stars them and Bill Murray and Ernie Hudson. The gang's all back. Uh, and you get to hear them joke around and you get to catch ghosts with them. Uh, you play as a silent protagonist Ghostbuster man, uh, just unnamed white boy. Uh, who helps your your ghost busting pals catch the ghosts? And it is unique because I I mean I I guess it's kind of just somebody played Luigi's Mansion and was like, hey, we should make a Ghostbusters game. I, I know that that had to have happened, but the gameplay doesn't necessarily feel a hundred percent like Luigi's Mansion because it's in the it's in the perspective of a third person shooter, but it doesn't feel like a third person shooter. It's really unique. And in some ways that's not great because there's a lot of wonky aspects to that game that have not aged well in the 10 years that it's existed. <laughs> it does definitely doesn't feel like a PS4 game. Uh, I'll tell you that. Um, it's a lot of fun though. It's mostly fun to hear new voice lines from, you know, Bill Murray. Bill Murray is really funny in the game and the rest of the cast. Um, if you ever play that game, I would recommend playing on a low difficulty so that the game is not bullshit. (laughs) Putting it on professional, I think makes it really hard and not in a, I mean, like, Here's the problem with Ghostbusters. Uh, So your main objective is to catch ghosts, as you would assume. In order to catch them, you have to zap them with your proton stream 
uh, enough so that they get into a weakened state. Now you can grab them and you have to throw a trap down and drag them into the trap. And that means you have to like actually like, you know, you can hit L2 to slam them into shit and you're slamming them around and weakening them and trying to stun them. And then you have to drag them over to the trap and they get sucked in. And the other Ghostbusters are there uh, and they help you. And, and they help you drag them into the traps. But the AI is bad. It's very bad. So if you get hurt, you you don't die necessarily, but you fall down. And now one of the other Ghostbusters has to head over to you and revive you. You also have to do this if one of them gets knocked down. You have to run to them and tap X to revive them, which isn't normally a problem. I played through the game on casual first, and uh, I think my fellow Ghostbusters got knocked down like three times total on casual. On professional, constantly. Constantly. Especially early on, because you unlock more guns and stuff that help you deal with the ghosts better. But at the beginning of the game, on like the Times Square level where you're fighting against the Stay Puff Marshmallow Man, for instance, uh, you are not fully upgraded yet. You barely have any upgrades to speak of. So you have to just rely on your normal gun to get these ghosts. And the AI is not helpful. They will run directly at enemies and get hurt and fall over. And then while you're trying to catch the ghosts, you will get hit and you will die because the other Ghostbusters are not up to help you out. Uh, so you have to constantly run over to Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd's fucking ass and get them up because they are useless, because they Leroy Jenkins their way through levels, just running directly at every conflict. And it is annoying to deal with on professional mode. I beat it on professional mode, but... One segment in particular was one of the worst things I've ever experienced in a game ever. And that was this little segment with these stone baby angels that shoot arrows of fire at you and they kill you in one hit. And all you have to help you in this segment is Dan Aykroyd. And I hate Dan Aykroyd now because his AI was bad. It's not Dan Aykroyd's fault, but, you know, you go to irrational places when you lose at a segment like a hundred times in a row. Um, finally passed it. Professional sucks. I don't recommend it, but I'm the, I'm an idiot. And I was like, I can plat Ghostbusters. Uh, also super annoying. There's two trophies. One is to do three million dollars worth of damage because you can just hit stuff in the environment. But that's one of the cool parts of the game is there's a lot of destructibility in the environments and the levels. You can whip ghosts into museum exhibits and they uh, really fuck the museum exhibit up and you rack up a lot of damage. So the trophy for doing a lot is pretty easy. You just have to be dedicated and zap a lot of shit. Then there's one for doing under 100,000. And boy, is that tricky. You really have to be careful. And if you fuck up and get over 100,000, it's not as simple as reloading a checkpoint because your damage done, like your property damage meter doesn't go down. You have to redo the game over again. Thankfully, that didn't happen to me, but I've read plenty of frustrating things about that. Oh, boy. (laughs) 
Yeah, that doesn't sound fun. <laughs> but, I mean, if you're a Ghostbusters fan, I recommend it just for a normal mode or casual mode playthrough. Because it's a lot of fun. They take you to a lot of familiar locations, you know, like just like the first movie, you're catching Slimer in the hotel. You're fighting the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man in the middle of New York City. You get to go to the library and catch that fucking first ghost they saw, the librarian ghost. And there's the ghost designs are really cool. I like them a lot. They're, you know, cartoonish. Some of them, some of them are genuinely creepy. It has a good mixture. It's mainly comedic, but it has a good mixture, just like the movie itself. Um, And I appreciate it. And thankfully, they never made anything Ghostbusters again after this. You know, they decided to call it quits and uh, never make another Ghostbusters thing again, because it would be embarrassing if, like, you know, they tried to make one and it was like shit and everybody hated it. That would suck. That'd be embarrassing if they did that. So it's a good thing they never tried. Um, (laughs) Anyway, I also played a little game called A Way Out, which I loved. That is a co-op game where uh, you and a buddy play as two inmates and you got to escape jail. Uh, Takes place in 69, I believe. So it's like, you know, Vietnam War era. Old school, you know, a prison break is maybe actually feasible (laughs) Uh, in the in the in the past. Probably harder now. And uh, so you escape and you have to assist each other to solve little puzzles and things. And it's a lot of fun. The game constantly shows you a split screen of what the other guy is doing. Even multiple rooms away from you. And, uh, you know, I'm not going to get into spoilers because I really encourage you uh, to play this game at some point and also anybody else. So I'm not going to spoil the things in the story, but there there genuinely is a lot to spoil. So don't look it up. Uh <laughs> But I will say this, uh, it really shocked me when the gameplay uh, curve of this went from being somewhat of a third-person puzzle game, uh, as and then it gradually turned into a third-person shooter like Uncharted towards the end. Uh, it's not done as well. You can tell that clearly they weren't setting out to make a third person shooter, but it's competent enough that it it surprised me that it became a discount Uncharted game at the end. And I dug it. I really dug that it became that was not anticipating that at all. Um, It's a lot of fun to play with another person. And the way the ending is, um, is really it's a good surprise in some ways. Uh, but it's also something that if you think about it, it makes no fucking sense from a story perspective. But from a gameplay perspective, what they put you through is really fucking cool. Um, I'm not going to get expansive on this game or anything because I really do want to stress that, you know, you should try it. It's a great game. It's really short. Definitely worth 10 bucks or so. And the cool thing is if one person owns it, uh, the other person does not have to. And the online is great. I got shitty online. I don't even have an Ethernet cable right now. I'm waiting to get one ordered here. And uh, it still worked great. My connection was fine with my shitty internet. <laughs> with uh, I played it with your brother Josh the whole way through. And we did it in one night too, which surprised me. It's really quick. 
It's probably like four hours. Uh, a lot of fun, though. Easy yeah. plat, too. It sounds like fun. But, you know, you can't forget the the lead-up. I, I will say... The lead-up? Oh, yeah. Uh, Fuck the Oscars, dude. Joseph Fares, or however you say his name. Joseph Fares. Yeah, yeah, he's great. So he wrote the whole thing and directed it. And he's he's a funny dude. Uh, the funny moments in that game are great. When it, it tries to be serious, though... It kind of falters, and you could tell like, just by the personality of the guy that yeah, like he's probably a really good comedy writer. <laughs> there is fan. You can do some funny shit in that game. Like, there's fun mini games as well. Like, I was laughing my ass off because like there's a part where like one of the characters is having a baby, right? Well, he is his wife is. <laughs> I should yeah, clarify. <laughs> <laughs> so they have to go to the hospital and see his newborn baby. But they're still like, you know, fugitives or whatever. So there's tension there. And it's like, how do we get in? But you can ignore all that and just play Connect Four in the hotel lobby if you want to. It's there. <laughs> like your character in the story is like, oh, my God, I need to see my kid. Uh, but you can ignore the story willingly and just sit down and play Connect Four or fuck around in some wheelchairs. There's so many little moments like that that I love about this game. By the way, the hospital part, I won't really spoil it, but like it's it's the best part of the game, in my opinion, because it does this thing where it's presents to you an action sequence that switches back and forth between the two of you, not in split screen. Like they take up the full screen of the action and it does so somehow all in one continuous shot. Oh, that's now, neat. clearly, this isn't as hard to do as it would be for, like, a film, yeah. but it is really neat going back and forth between the action of two characters, both controlled by two people, two different people, and it continuously is one shot flowing between gameplay and actual cinematics back and forth between two characters. I've never seen anything like it. It was really well done. That was the best part of the game by far. And... uh there's a lot of choices and little things. Uh, clearly, one big choice at the end can get you a very different ending. Uh, I may replay the end of the game with Josh coming soon here to see what the other ending of the game is. Uh, lots of little choices you can make, too, cause, because both of the characters have like different personalities. One is a little more, you know, hey, let's let's try and approach this situation more rationally and try to trick people and then the other one is more like hey let's just knock some heads together fuck this shit you know so they have like different kind of ways that they approach situations and it lets the players vote on which one they want to do but it has to be unanimous (laughs) so there's only two choices so someone has to let someone else win in each instance (laughs) it's kind of fun um you have to have a lot of tolerance for quick time events because there is a lot of those, but I don't mind those. I know a lot of people complain about them in action games and stuff, but you know, I think this was fine. I think they implemented them. Well, there wasn't a whole lot of like, you know, mash square a million times moments. Yeah. Unless you want to arm wrestle, (laughs) but that's both of you are tapping square a bunch. And it's who will outlast the other. <laughs> and it's it's a lot of fun. Love the mini games, love the humor. Uh the story could have used some work to be 
maybe more believable, but it was still a lot of fun. I can't fault it for a whole lot. Great game. Hell yeah. It's good to hear. I, I was I was nervous. Like the game's got got a lot of mixed reviews, and probably because some of the stuff that you mentioned. Think about like the, the serious moments not hitting and like Oh yeah. I bet. Like well you also have to consider that it's not a game like I don't know what it retailed for initially, but I only paid eight bucks for it, and that's a good price. Because oh, yeah. it is only it's only four hours long. And then like you're pretty much done unless you want to do some trophy cleanup and get the other ending. So Yeah. And that's doing all the mini games and such. So, or as many as we could find. So I could see some people being disappointed that it is a short experience. Yeah. Eh, sounds really neat, though. I dug it. Hell yeah. Any other games you played you want to talk about? Dude, I didn't do fuck all. Playing like Madden <laughs> and COD. Like a fucking real gamer, and then then some Halo. (laughs) Yeah, really, man, dude, you being a see, I'm the weirdo playing a way out in Ghostbusters, and you're the typical COD and Mad and gamer TM. Yep. Yeah, drinking a Monster Energy drink. I was drinking over there. Water. How close is that? Not. (laughs) I'll drink the Monster for you. Together, we will combine into one. Terrible gamer. Oh no! <laughs> but separately, we are not cancerous. Together, though. No, together, though, it's terrible, dude. How long until until the fusion of us is the gamer word? <laughs> Let's say never. Hell yeah, dude! That's what I like to hear. I'm glad you have the fortitude. <laughs> I'm not that kind of gamer. <laughs> All right, <laughs> let's get into it. Is it it's Friday, Friday time? time? It's Friday time. This Friday, I'm in love. Wrong Friday. Wonder if that's, that's in, Friday. Wonder if that's in any. Of, <laughs> that's not going to be in any of these movies, Absolutely is it? Absolutely not. That, that costs money to license that. I uh, no shit. I a hundred percent. If I made one of those movies, would put that in there. Ironically, that would be the shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. But once again, it costs money. It's, it's 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 a it's a sequence of Jason killing people on Friday the Thirteenth, having a good time. The idea of these movies, <laughs> and they make a lot of money. They, yeah, they have never let go of that philosophy. Nope. Well, until ten years ago, because it's been ten years since they made one. Who knows what'll happen in the future, though? So anyway, um, Friday the Thirteenth. The final chapter. It wasn't. But anyway, released on April 13th, 1984. Yes, that was a Friday the 13th. The second of five of these films to actually release on a Friday the 13th. The first being part three. Weird to me that they aren't all out on a Friday the 13th. (laughs) You think that they would have the market awareness to make sure that that happened. I think every year has a Friday the 13th, right? For the most part, yeah. It's just, like, bound to happen. Or at least, maybe not. Maybe it's more rare than I'm thinking. I think it. it's kind of... It ha- it, I hear about it so often. Yeah, it, like, That it could happen at least once a year. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Anywho. Um, 
So part three, which we talked about last week, was intended to cap off the series as a trilogy, but it was left open-ended. Now, uh, Frank Mancuso Jr., the producer of part three and part two, and he said he began to resent the series. He felt that he received no respect for being the producer of these successful films. Uh, Thus, he hatched a plan uh, to title the film the next one in the in the franchise Friday the 13th the final chapter and definitively kill off Jason Voorhees in the film and uh, Paramount didn't necessarily uh, feel like that plan was bad because they tended to notice that the slasher film as a genre was beginning to wane Uh, maybe the trend was dying off so yeah, maybe it's time to move on. Uh, they didn't. Nope. <laughs> Spoiler alert. But that was their intention, at least. So, uh, your boy, uh, fuck, Steve Miner. Steve Miner, I think, yeah. director of two and three. He's not back. He's like, done with this shit. I did two <laughs> movies in a row in two years. Fuck off. <laughs> I'm going to go direct House, which was a good decision because House fucking kicks ass. But um, anyway, uh, so they hire a man named Joseph Zito to direct. Now, he had recently directed a movie called The Prowler, uh, which wasn't incredibly successful, but it has a cult following now. And it's a slasher film with incredible effects from Tom Savini. Hey. <laughs> now, uh, Zito later in his career after the Friday movies, would direct uh, action schlock for canon films. And uh, these would include Chuck Norris starring vehicles like uh, Missing in Action and Invasion USA. Great, <laughs> um, let's say, classics. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Whatever you say, buddy. Now, <laughs> I have a sidebar. It has nothing to do with Friday the 13th, but I'm going to talk about it anyway. Joseph Zito was also set to be the director for Canon Films' canceled Spider-Man film. And I'm going to talk about this briefly because I was enamored with this movie yeah. that doesn't exist. Um, so, first I'm hearing about this. yeah, way back in the early 80s, uh, Canon producers Golan and Globus uh, were their last names. So they're from... That's a great, you know, this is a great last name. (laughs) They're Israeli. uh, And they were unfamiliar with what Spider-Man was as a property. They just knew that it was, you know, a big ticket item, as it were. So they were like, yeah, we got the rights to Spider-Man. We're going to make a big movie. Gonna make a bunch of money. That's all they knew about Spider-Man. So as such, they thought the property functioned like like they thought Spider-Man was like the Wolfman. Okay, where like he became a spider, like under some kind of conditions. Uh, so they hire Toby Hooper to direct this movie. Of course, the director of Texas Chainsaw Massacre, and I think they hire him because they think this is going to be a horror film. They think Spider Man is some kind of monster body horror creature that turns into a giant spider. <laughs> And for some reason, they think that, oh, yeah, this is the thing that's really popular with the kids these days. (laughs) Now, um, so Stan Lee, 
obviously back then and and even like up until his death was super into the idea of all of his characters becoming you know big characters on the big screen as well uh, it took a while for spider-man to make it but stan lee was always right there trying to make shit happen and uh so he hears about what they're doing and he's like oh god please no <laughs> don't do this so he felt it necessary to deter them from causing irreparable damage to Marvel's biggest property with this movie where Spider-Man is a uh, monster. So um, so the film refocused after Stan Lee, you know, kind of set him straight, as it were, uh, into a superhero movie that better reflected the character. Uh, our guy Zito replaces Hooper as director. Maybe they feel like Zito would be a better fit as he had done some films and Hooper was more of a horror guy but then Canon Films uh, made a little movie called Superman 4 The Quest for Peace which is a tremendous pile of shit <laughs> um, and, and that movie cost them a lot of money so after that flopped uh, they were like yeah Spider-Man's not going to be this big, expensive production anymore. And then Zito was like, well, I don't want to make a compromised, shitty Spider-Man movie, so I'm out. And that's the story of that Spider-Man movie that never got made. Uh, lo lots of crazy little tidbits. Uh, they were thinking about Tom Cruise as Spider-Man, a young Tom Cruise yeah. at the time. Uh, they were thinking about... Uh, Stan Lee himself would be in the movie as J. Jonah Jameson. Um, Doc Ock was going to be the villain, and his catchphrase was going to be okie dokie. Lots of weird tidbits, man. Uh, <laughs> and I, I don't know. It never saw the light of day, nor did the crazy James Cameron version, if you ever look that up. Oh, yeah, I've heard about that. Boy, man. That one's great. Read bits of the script of the James Cameron Spider-Man treatment if you ever get a chance. Spider-Man calls somebody a motherfucker in that and has sex on a rooftop with Mary Jane with, like, no clothes on except the mask. And uh, I think Doc Ock has a sidekick called Wiener or something. Like, I'm, I'm dead serious about all of these things. Uh, that, that shit's a trip. <laughs> um... Thankfully, they classed it up and had a uh, much more serious man uh, direct Spider-Man. I'm just kidding. They got Sam Raimi, and it was a fucking great schlocky mess anyway. <laughs> the first Spider-Man movie is great. I'm not going to apologize for liking it. It's, it's a good time. <laughs> anyway, fuck all that. Let's talk about Friday the 13th now. <laughs> so, Zito hired to direct and write. Um, he's not a writer. No, you could tell. Well, well, here's the thing. <laughs> Paramount offers him a contract saying, we will pay you double if you write and direct. So Zito said, quote, yeah, I'm totally a writer. <laughs> he was not. But so he knew this and he was a little prepared. So he used the extra pay to hire his friend, writer Barney Cohen. And Zito would have a phone call about the script and ideas with the series financier and, and vet. He's been around since the first one, uh, Phil Scuderi. 
and then he would relay that info to Cohen, who would write script pages, and then Cohen would give those script pages to Zito, who would give them to Scuderi. And, you know, Zito wasn't necessarily, like, withholding of the fact that he had somebody else writing this for him, and Cohen would eventually receive credit for writing the script in the final product. But this unconventional nature of Zito being hired to write, but then just using the money to hire somebody else (laughs) got both. Oh, I lost you. Uh Oh, Ken. Ken's died. We lost him, boys. Where's Ken Hart? Where did he go? Discord killed him. Anyway, what was I talking about? You talk. You talk about how how our, our man here got 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 big paid to write and direct, even though he's not a writer. Which sounds like a big you know big great idea, fantastic idea. You know that's <laughs> well. yeah. Well, okay. Well, so Zito used the extra pay to hire his friend Barney Cohen. And he wrote the script. <laughs> so so the, the way they would do it was Zito would have a phone call about the script and ideas with um, the Friday the 13th uh, financer and veteran, been there since the first movie, Phil Scuderi. After that conversation, he would relay that info to Cohen. Then Cohen would write script pages and give them to Zito. And then... Zito would give those script pages to Scuderi oh and they God. would keep repeating this until the film was finished. <laughs> like the script was finished. Um, now Cohen would receive credit for writing the script. Like Zito wasn't like hiding the fact that he wasn't writing it, but he still took the pay and everything. Uh, so this unconventional nature of Zito, you know, being hired to write, but just using the money to pawn off the work on somebody else, uh, got both him and Cohen in hot water with uh, the WGA, <laughs> as you may expect. <laughs> like, maybe if you're hired to do something, that means you're supposed to do that. <laughs> Man. So anyway, uh, the script, as you would expect, focused on uh, new teens to be slaughtered, new victims for Jason to... uh Slice and dice, of course. Of course. Um, but the twist on the formula this time, uh, they decided to involve a, a nearby family. And this was so that they could have characters you'd actively not want to be harmed. I, I think if they wrote the characters better, they would have already had that. Like, you're not supposed to want the final girl to get killed. And, and usually I think they're an okay character. Like, I don't actively wish for the final girl to get killed. Uh, maybe some of the dumber kids you kind of want to die because it's funny you know you're watching a dumb slasher movie anyway so like maybe the prankster dude can die it's fine (laughs) but um they wanted to do something different and they also kind of wanted to set up potentially a character that was a parallel to jason and potentially set up a new killer since they were killing off jason 
all this makes me think that they knew that they weren't ending the fucking series like they said they were. Right. Right. <laughs> fucking liars. Anyway, uh, your boy Tom Savini is back. He did the special effects again for this you movie. Can tell. Oh my god, you can. It's an upgrade and a half. Uh, <laughs> like, not that there wasn't good stuff in the previous ones. I, I particularly liked the eye pop. Um, but Savini, you know, is just better. He's one of the best. So he specifically returned because he wanted to help kill off Jason which was a character that, if you remember, he helped create. So this kind of comes full circle. And uh, as a tribute to Zavini uh, coming back, they actually made a character in the movie, a special effects whiz as well, uh, the young Tommy Jarvis. Uh, I feel like they only did that because Savini was on the movie, uh, because I I believe they wanted him to be like an inventor or something. He, He was always designed to be like this whiz kiz kid smart person but like special effects in particular probably came about because Savini joined anyway um, most of the rest of the facts I will get to as they're relevant and we'll have a couple sidebars because man there's some uh, familiar faces (laughs) for for once in this movie Uh, usually it's a bunch of no name actors and Kevin Bacon uh, but this time we actually have recognizable actors a little bit, just a couple. Can't have more than two. <laughs> we can hire one famous person and a half for every Friday the 13th film. Uh, there's a lot to get to, but uh, go ahead and start going through what happens in uh, the final chapter that is not actually the final chapter. I love when I'm halfway through a book and it says the last chapter and I, I end the chapter. I'm like, wait a minute. There's a whole rest of a book here. <laughs> to me. So as all of these films have started after the first one, we get a little bit of boy, a- do they, we get, a, <sighs> we get a, like a flashback thing, kind of like talking, showing like the final bits of the last movie. This time they do, Final bits of both part two and three, while at the same time having the scene from part two where they're around the fire talking about Jason. Yeah, your you boy, uh, Cam Counselor Fuckwit, uh, talking about the true story of Jason, uh, which was which was like the impression I got from that scene in part two was he was kind of like putting it on and being like fake morbid and scary because it was the setup to the prankster character popping out with the mask on, right? Right. And scaring him. So, like, he wasn't delivering those lines with the intent that they were actually spooky. But here they present them as if they were, and it doesn't work. No, it's really... <laughs> um, so, by the way, Zito uh, didn't want to use clips from the other films in the intro. He thought that was stupid. Um, yeah. I agree. But Paramount forced him to, and I think that kind of explains why, like, th- this opening is the worst so far. Because he didn't have anything to do with it, and they just threw it together. Like, there's no, like, connecting tissue to the movie itself. Like, part two, you get it, like, it's in the form of nightmares. Yeah. And part three, it was the same director made that. So, like, I trusted his reconfiguration of events a little more. 
like and it was brief too uh this one feels like it goes on forever and it's just like reshuffling events around and it's not great <laughs> yeah, always gotta talk about this because they're funny every single time you get the logo pop up it's friday the 13th and, and this, this is the best mask. one and then the final this is the best one comes through the back and blows through the mask and explodes it blows up <laughs> i'm fucking spooked brother my Whoa. god all right one of these has to have the youtube poop what the fuck boom in it that's what i would what do <laughs> and so after our opening credits here we get the cops and, and uh the first responders cleaning up the mess of part three yeah so so this movie was mostly it was entirely shot in california mostly in topanga canyon but for this part they actually still used the set that they had for part three which was only filmed like a year before so it was still there and uh they just went back to it and set it up to look like part three. I think they did an okay job. Yeah, it looks fine. And then they, uh, <laughs> the ambulance comes by, tags up the, quote, dead Jason. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quote, quote, unquote, dead. <laughs> and they have this big meme, big ha-ha funny meme, where his, where his dead arm keeps falling out of the of the bag. We give yes. him a little spook. Whoa. Yeah. I, I like how long it takes for him because I kept thinking he was going to pop out at any point. Yeah. But they play with that like because <laughs> his arm keeps flopping out. And they're like, oh, no, not yet. Jason's not alive yet. He has to get to the hospital first so that he can kill a couple of dumbasses. I love uh, I love the the uh, the guy from the coronary who's just uh, eating the sandwich that he just plops it on Jason's body. Oh, my God. This character is designed to be an unlikable jackass through and through. Uh, this is Bruce Mahler as Axel is the dude's name. He's creepy as shit. Uh, hits on the nurse a lot and the other paramedic lady who leaves. Uh, by the way, you may recognize him as Sergeant Fackler from the fucking Police Academy films, yeah. which may have just as many entries as the Friday the 13th series. It's I'm close. not sure. It's close. Also, don't know which one is scarier, to be honest. And uh, he also appeared as Rabbi Glickman on Seinfeld. <laughs> uh, it's weird. I feel like every single actor I look up has also been on Seinfeld in one episode. I don't know why that is. Yeah, it just feels like it. <laughs> A lot of people happens a lot them. yeah so yeah then he, and, uh, oh go ahead yeah then the nurse that shows up here is lisa freeman as nurse robbie ah, the unfortunate but for some reason willing question mark uh target of axel's sexual advances uh poor girl <laughs> yeah she just starts making out with him I, it's weird because she's like, fuck you, you're gross. But then she's like, eh, whatever. Let's fuck in front of the dead bodies. And and, um, and then and then is re-grossed out by this man. It's like, which is it? We, the audience, thinks he's gross. Why can't you agree with us? Right. <laughs> I love the... Uh, so yeah, they're trying to fuck and then the arm falls out again. Haha, <laughs> funny meme. And mm-hmm. then... His freak out is really funny. 
you just start screaming like, holy Jesus, jumping Christmas shit, god damn! <laughs> it's it, uh, I was fucking dying already. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I could already tell this one was going to be funnier than the others. Uh, you know, guys, you're not filming this one in 3D. You can do a couple more takes and get a better performance. No? Okay. Thank God they didn't. <laughs> Thank God they still got the crappiest performances ever. Oh. I like the. Uh, By like the, the way, yeah, I like the nurse's line if she's leaving. Ask her, mm-hmm. she's like, "Now where I'm going? I'm going crazy!" And she <laughs> runs out. <laughs> Boy, you can tell that this movie was written by a true professional that was hired by the director because he was supposed to write it, can't you? Okay, absolutely. <laughs> so, um, so Axel's watching a little movie here, <laughs> and uh, it's literally just like a girl shaking her ass a lot at the camera. Yeah. So I bring this up because this is a video called Aerobicize, uh, which stars an actress named Darcy DeMoss, who um, will later just straight up be in one of these movies as an actual character in part six. But here she is in a, <laughs> in this. The infinite, the, in, uh, the infant uh, stages of twerking. Yes. <laughs> Which is kind of just sl- it's slow twerk. Slow twerk. <laughs> having a little little slow twerk. You know when you when you go when you go to prom with a girl, and you got to do like you know a nice dance with her. You do a slow twerk, not a fast twerk. Yeah. <laughs> so my man's over here goes and clo- like puts the body in the in the freezer and like he goes to put him up in that, that big lock those big locked. The chambers that you do in a corner, mm-hmm. and uh, and it, it doesn't close it all the way, so uh, nah, this could have all been avoided, yeah. If you actually sealed the fucking morgue thing, yeah, the Jason yes. just froze to death, mm hmm. You just kind of like half shut it like a big fucking doofus dick, sat back so down to watch able... his live slow twerks. <laughs> Uh, I'm going to petition to call this episode slow twerk. I'm in. But anyway, <laughs> they've been pretty dumb so far <laughs> in this series. Yeah, it's been great. Yep, yeah, but then the, uh, he spills some tea on himself like an idiot, and then uh, Jason comes up mm-hmm. with the with the medical saw. Oh, man. Cuts the dude's neck and then snaps it. Oh, my God, it's fucking gross. I love it. <laughs> It was. It's such a like big one eighty twist too. Like that dude's head goes all the way around, right? It is, yeah, it's like all the way around. He <laughs> fucking snaps that shit. It's so fast. I loved it, <laughs> especially because like they know what they're doing at this point. They're like, yeah, this guy sucks. Any girl that's had to get sexually harassed at her job is like, yes, <laughs> fuck that guy. Yep, and then, uh... But then the nurse gets it, too. Yeah. Because, of course. While screaming to tell Axel to fuck off. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Then we get a cut. Oh, excuse me. Then we get a cut to our family in this movie. Yes. Daughter running together. It's just the mom and daughter. Right. Um, this conversation is weird between she, the two of them. Yeah, especially the way she ends it. Uh, yeah, I had to, like, 
I didn't know who said which line, so I was like concerned and then more concerned. <laughs> like well, whatever. It ends with like uh one of them saying, I think you're horny. You're and this is a mom horny. and daughter. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, is the like but they were talking about the dad, so I was like, it better not be the daughter being horny for the dad. That's fucking weird. But then also, why would the daughter say that to the mom? What? <laughs> Do people talk like this <laughs> with their parents? Because I, I guess the writer of the film does. I don't know. He may have a couple problems. Um, anyway, these actresses are Kimberly Beck as Trish Jarvis and Joan Freeman as Tracy Jarvis. Um, so Kimberly Beck uh, has stated that she doesn't like horror and she felt that this film was less like a B movie and more like a C movie. This is her words. I mean, yeah. <laughs> and uh, she also claimed that during production, uh, she experienced several strange encounters. There was a man watching her while she ran through the park. She had strange phone calls at all hours. And then production for the film stopped. And so did the weird moments. And uh, that's fucking weird, man. I don't know if she was just paranoid because she was filming a horror movie or if I, it was the worst possibly plausible answer is people were creeping on her whilst they were making the movie, which is fucking weird. Or thanks. Or it was, or, the, or it was the production crew fucking with her to make sure she that's kind of what I'm saying. Yeah. Well, Hey, maybe that's maybe they did it to get a good performance out of her. Yeah. No, that's, that's also I, not yeah, great. Oh yeah. It's fucked up. <laughs> I can see them doing it though. Well, I don't know. So so here's another thing. Uh, so they cut out a scene that was written in the script where Jason, when he confronts her later, uh, fucking fondles her tits. And uh, they removed this because Zito found it to be out of character for Jason. Oh, yeah, and I, I agree. So. Yeah, just a little um, bit. I, like, Jason's mindless and has the intelligence of, like he did when he died, right? That's all what I always assumed. Yeah, that's what he Like, is. he died when he was a little kid, so, and he's mute and doesn't say anything, and he's just basically a big lumbering zombie. Like, I, he doesn't have human desires besides murder. Like, and that's not even a desire. I feel like he just feels like he has to do it. I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm just, this is my own opinion. But um, glad they cut that out because that would have been super out of character and also creepy. I, don't, I think it's unnecessary. He's already killing him. He doesn't need to do anything else horrible. <laughs> like, geez. I don't know, man. It's this it's stupid. Yeah. Dumb. So I think they. Uh, oh my lord. Are we at? Are we at our boy? Yep. So we it cuts here to a car. <laughs> oh, we meet the kids first, right? Oh, that's right. Yeah, no, we meet Tommy Jarvis first. No, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's our that's our dude, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's the guy. Oh, it's the guy. All right, this is young Corey Feldman. Yep, he's here. 
going from going from a young Tommy Jarvis to dropping the hottest tracks of 2016. Uh, can we talk about Corey Feldman for a second? Have that just in case. Just in case anyone's not aware of the Corey history. Yo, go for it, buddy. Hit me with the Corey. All right. So so he's 12 or 13 at the time of filming this. This is one of his first big film roles. The same year, he's in Gremlins. And then he would later become one of the most popular teen stars of the 80s, alongside another Corey, Corey Haim. They would be in a shit ton of movies based solely on the star appeal of two Corys. <laughs> uh, Corey! Corey, Corey. So, now, Feldman nowadays is a bit different. <laughs> um... He, he has uh, recently become quite the character. Um, he has his recent album, Angelic to the Core, which uh, I, I, I don't think it's a stretch to say that it is widely considered one of the worst albums ever made. It really is. And I've listened to the damn thing because I like a meme or two, you know? Would you agree? Yeah, I like a nice meme. Uh, Who doesn't that, like that a good is, meme? That is quite the meme, right? It's it's almost too much because that album is like ninety minutes long. It's ninety minutes of pure meme. It's of pure torture. Um, it is. <laughs> it is. It's probably the worst album I've ever listened to. It it's, probably is. It's up there for sure. Like it's genuinely terrible, but terrible in the way that like the room or something is terrible. Like you just kind of have to bear witness to it and be like, this is this surpasses being terrible and ascends into being glorious. It's a glorious disaster to, that you need to like bear witness to, you know? <laughs> right. <laughs> it's like watching now, a house fire. So he does that. And but now there's some even weirder shit going on with him because he he, re- he, re- he released this documentary this year called My Truth, The Rape of Two Corys. And uh, there's many allegations in this documentary that he alleges, uh, but the most prominent of which, the one that got reported the most this year uh, before COVID dominated the news, was he alleged that uh, Charlie Sheen sexually assaulted Corey Haim. And this is based on something that he, like Feldman says, Haim told him, but Corey Haim's dead now. So there isn't a whole lot of proof to this claim necessarily. It's a serious allegation. And it's one that Sheen is vehemently denying. And like, usually I definitely want to believe the accuser. And not the accused, because you definitely want to believe people when they say stuff as serious as this. Absolutely. But this is but this is a tricky subject because Corey Feldman is an insane person, clearly, and Charlie Sheen is also an insane person. Clearly, and it, and it, it clearly, and it's like I don't know who to believe or who to listen to, and I think the answer is neither. I, I think the answer is to stay far away and and just kind of like yeah. casually glance at this whole thing going on over here from a distance, far away. <laughs> 
but but it's something. <laughs> oh, it sure is. It's a crazy, crazy um, bit of history. Yeah, I mean, like, it's a shame if it is all made up because, like, I'm sure stuff did happen to them. Like, Hollywood's a nasty, rotten place. Yeah. And there have been, you know, all you have to do is look at Harvey Weinstein to know that, like, there are people out there that are predators. Yeah. That are finally getting punished for their deeds that went unpunished for decades. But it's hard for me to trust a Corey Feldman it really is. I don't know. It, it's a complicated situation with a lot of like weird stuff. You can look into it more if you want to. Doesn't have a lot to do with this. I just want to talk about Corey Feldman because, like, man, what a character! <laughs> uh, what a crazy dude! But anyway, in this movie, that was before all that. He's twelve. He likes wearing alien mask. And uh, being the smartest kid around, I guess, but not the best actor. No. (laughs) Not the best actor at all. I'll play a little little gamey game on his compy comp, a TurboGrafx-16 maybe. I can't tell. Yeah, man. Let me look. I don't know what the hell. Let me get a me get a closer look at this. Uh-huh. What do you think it is? I'm, I'm, give me a second. I'm pulling it up. You just. You what just, game is it, gamer? I'm on, hold on. I'm gonna use my real gamer knowledge to figure out what gamer game he's playing. Okay. All right. That's. I don't know about the game, but let's zoom out here. What do we got? It's Die Katana. Okay, that's Die Katana. Oh, that is Die Katana. Oh wow! Look at that. <laughs> no, it's not Die Katana. I'm Fuck. Not can't believe uh, it's not Daikatana. I can't believe it. <laughs> Dude, the, uh, whatever this is, it looks like a turbo. It looks like turbo graphics, but it's like fake as fuck, bro. Uh, looks like a turbo wait, this, this is eighty four. When yeah. was the NES out? In eighty four, it almost. I think it almost was, or it did come out in eighty four. Okay. Well, they're not advertising NES. No, I know that we get to that maybe later in the 80s, because like I know we have that Freddy Krueger movie where with the power glove in it uh, oh, yeah. later in the decade. But uh, <laughs> now you're playing with power, bitch, man, it's iconic moments in cinema history right there. Got to got to say. Uh, <laughs> uh, anyway, back to Jason. Um What's going on with uh with uh Corey Feldman's gaming? Well, he he does he's a real gamer, bro. Gets the high score, high score. Make sure he tells mom. <laughs> hey, mom, I got the high score, high score. And she's she's proud of him, you know. She's proud of him. She tells him, uh, "Why don't you just play that game upstairs? It's really fucking loud, okay?" <laughs> At least she didn't just tell him to stop playing it. She right. told him to just play it upstairs. You know, I think that's reasonable. She needs to be chill, mom. She's trying to be cool, mom. <laughs> You know, fresh out of a divorce, trying to appease the kids, you know? Yeah, exactly. Fighting for their attention with dad, you know? <laughs> they, they, they really didn't expand on her as much as I thought they were going to. Uh, it's not often we have an actual adult, uh, well, intended to be an adult in these movies. Because uh, usually we have just teenagers, characters of teens, or adults playing teens, I should say. All right. So- but... Fun little reference time here. Mm-hmm. 
So, something I'm noticing, I noticed real quick when I was looking at it, but I, I let it play with the subtitles on. Sure. Uh, so she, they're talking about his his mass that he made, that weird alien mass, <laughs> and his talent. Is, yeah. Uh, you know, like a like a Thompson. Oh, yeah, he just yeah he just made it in out of scratch in the middle of the fucking woods. He made this alien mask. Sure. Yeah. Sure. And uh, <laughs> and she just, made it with sticks and twigs. <laughs> like, yeah, he's scared. What if a, what if a killer walks in? You know. Oh, it's foreshadowing. Yes. Right, but then uh. But well, you know what else is foreshadowing? Hmm. She tells him that he needs a haircut. Yeah, that's fun. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, and the sister comes in, opens up the fridge. What she's saying is, she's like, "I'll bet he'll challenge. Bet the she challenged him to a game of Zaxxon. So Zaxxon's a real video game. Yeah, is it single player though? Yeah, well, it, it's an arcade game. I think it has multiplayer. I don't remember. I've never really played it. Okay, before, but it's, it's, it's usually this is inaccurate when they reference video games and things. As far as you know, home home consoles went. It was on the ColecoVision. So we think he's playing a ColecoVision here. He definitely is not playing a ColecoVision. Okay. <laughs> he's 100% not playing a ColecoVision. Well, he's playing what is known as playing video games on film machine, which is right. never it, it, necessarily 100% actually what the video games are in real life. It, it looks like yeah. he designed it to look like a TurboGrafx-16. <laughs> okay. At least Saxon's a real game. They could have just said, like, fucking Martian Mans or something, and it, right. like it would have been just fake. Yeah, but just yeah, uh, little, little tidbitty for you. Yeah. But anyway, now, now, mm-hmm. we uh, cut. To we meet our our kids. Meet our kids for the evening. Our victims for the evening. Yep. Our victims for this week. <laughs> T- today, because by the way, um, Jason has killed a lot of people during this uh, three day weekend here. Because, yeah, this film continues the continuity of the previous two. Uh, part two took place on Friday the 13th. Part three took place on Saturday the 14th. And today, in this film, is Sunday the 15th. Uh, thankfully, this is abandoned with uh, part five. Because I think it becomes less and less plausible that Jason just, like, goes to a different location and kills a bunch of people every day. Um, and also, it's not even Friday the 13th at that point. Like, come on, guys. Yeah, it's getting ridiculous. Yeah, yeah. So, we got we got some boys in the backseat here. This is the first thing we focus on. <laughs> There's a lot of idiots here. My lord. There's a whole car full of them. Let me go through them. Uh, I got their names here. There's a lot of people. We got Barbara Howard as Sarah... To a virgin, oh, usually a setup to be the final girl, but uh, not 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 so lucky, Sarah. <laughs> uh, Peter Barton as Doug, Sarah's love interest and 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 shower partner, but uh, you know, uh, so so Peter Barton here, um, he didn't want to appear in a horror movie either. Uh, he disliked working on a movie called Hell Night earlier in his career, and uh, but he was convinced to take this role by. Friday the 13th Part 2 star Amy Steele, who he worked with on a show called The Powers of Matthew Starr. So she said, nah, you should take the role. I was in a Friday movie. It was all right. Even though she decided not to be in Part 3. 
therefore making part three probably worse and less continuity based. But hey, um, by the way, just because it's a small world, uh, that show, The Powers of Matthew Starr, uh-huh. was created by our, our old friend Stephen E. D'Souza, the writer of Die Hard and the writer-director of Street Fighter. Uh, everything is related. There are no coincidences. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know why everything has to be connected in this way. Uh, who else is here? Oh, Crispin Glover, of course, as Jimmy, expert dancer and dead fuck. Uh, so he, <laughs> um, we recognized him, of course, as George McFly from Back to the Future, where he also plays a nerdy dweeb. But here he's even worse. And I'm sure we'll talk about that dance when it comes to it, because uh, it is the funniest thing ever put to oh film. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, we got Judy Aronson as Samantha, uh, the jealous, uh, frequent skinny dipper. And we got uh, Lawrence Monason as Ted, uh, the horny, laughing, pot-smoking jokester. By the way, really smoked pot in this movie. Uh, wasn't fake pot. Well, Apparently real pot. And uh, he he did this, uh, you know, as a form of method acting, and he uh, he found it really difficult to focus on acting, and said it was a bad idea. To, to <laughs> yeah, who would have guessed? Uh, a lot of characters here. We also have Alan Hayes as Paul, Samantha's boyfriend, who uh, seems a little too focused on the twins they meet later, who I'll mention later. Uh, yeah, I think that's it. A lot, a lot of we got a wide cast in this movie uh, to the point where, like, I forgot who was who a little bit. Like some of them stand out more than others. Like Crispin Glover definitely stood out and oh, his yeah. friend. Uh, <laughs> but um, the other guys, I was just kind of like, wait, which one is this? This is the one that's dating the skinny dipping girl. OK, but then who's this one? Oh, OK. Well, what? Oh, whatever. Whatever. They're just here to be victims there. It's really a filler arc because. <laughs> This movie's about the Jarvis. Yeah. And that ends up mattering more. Uh, like, th- th- this is just like a stopping point for Jason to kill all of these people before he goes to the Jarvis house. Right. It- it's a filler arc. <laughs> but I'm glad it's here because, boy, is it some stupid shit. Yep. So right away, talk about talk about a girl that apparently broke up with, with Dancer Boy. And... Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> Calls her BJ Betty, which is fucking hilarious. Oh boy, why'd you break up with BJ Betty? Her name is BJ Betty. What a dead fuck. <laughs> yeah, so right yeah, away, this dude just keeps calling him a dead fuck, and it's really funny. So, to me. so he's uh, like, so the guy, oh, the computer will tell us why she broke up with you, and that he's oh my lord, on a bunch of cases of regular cores. Now, some, some <laughs> tidbit information here for you. <laughs> Yeah, Regular everyone cores. knows the best the best best computer in '84 was a fucking pack of Coors Light. It's uh, not Coors Light. Knows. See, this here's the fun tidbit. You're right. Word. This is regular Coors. Now, regular See, Coors, you can't really find. I never on hear anyone anymore. say Coors. It's always Coors Light. Right. I didn't think Coors existed normally. Regular Coors was taken off store shelves, like I think in like the '90s or early 2000s. How come? That's weird. Uh, nobody was buying it, as far as I could tell. It's it's really shit. Everybody just beer. buys Coors Light? Well, I mean, I don't doubt it, but yeah. Weird. All right. That's yeah, a cool was, little... Cool I like when stuff shows up in movies 
and then it doesn't exist anymore. Like, uh, you know, like someone's eating some fucking uh, yummy mummy cereal. You know, you're like, ah, that's funny. And that doesn't exist anymore. Ooh, look, a Jolt Cola. You know, <laughs> I love when that shit happens. But yeah, so he, he goes, uh, he goes, beep, boop, beep, boop, 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 beep, beep, on the fucking cords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it says, oh, computer said you're a dead fuck. Which, as soon as he said that, I'm like, what the fuck is this dude talking about? It means he's a dead fuck. See, this is called foreshadowing, Justin. It's terrible better, foreshadowing. Better take your ass to film school, buddy. This is the worst <laughs> foreshadowing. He's a dead fuck, as in... He's in the sack, yeah. but then later in the movie, when Jason Voorhees, the killer character, murders him, he is also a dead fuck, as in a dead fellow. Great. <laughs> I had no idea. Thanks for clearing that up for me, buddy. I had no idea. <laughs> I just wanted to outline it for you so you understood what's happening in this motion picture. <laughs> and they, uh, and after that weird business, they uh, they drive by. The uh, the grave of Pamela Voorhees just is a little funny, haha. Ooh, meme. you know. Speaking of which, though, this is the first time we know her name, by the way, because she like I never noticed this, but she only introduces herself as Mrs. Voorhees and doesn't say her name is Pamela. Oh, I and didn't think no about one that. no one said her name was Pamela. This is the first confirmation that her name is Pamela. Interesting. I didn't uh, even think about that. Yep. It also. Uh, Tells us what year part one took place in, uh, which was 1979. Actually, didn't even take place in the 80s. Because uh, that's what's on her gravestone is her death date. Uh, now, I don't know how she has a grave, though, because Jason exhumed her body, right? Or at least her head. Yeah. Did they bury her without the head then? They Did he dig up her head? That's what I'm going to guess is that he dug up her head. I guess he could. This is the surrounding area of Crystal Lake, which each movie that passes has to be it, like at this point, I think in the universe, these movies take place in. It's one of the Great Lakes because it has to be humongous for yeah. there to be this many campsites and houses on the border of the lake. <laughs> like, like, all right, so we're, we're Ohioans, right? So I'm um, like, it, it's, mm-hmm. it, it, it seems like a it's lake like Lake Erie. There's like there's like seven different campgrounds surrounding Lake Erie. And like that, this is similar to that, I'd say. Well, I mean, like its original roots was at a New Jersey camp, so there's no way that there's any fucking large lake. It has to be small. But like, lo and behold, every movie has a location that just happens to be on the edge of Crystal Lake. Like, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> sure. Biggest lake of all time. <laughs> and then I don't know. Just guess. Just this next little part. I guess just to, to show how much dickheads they are. Yes. They're huge dickheads. Yeah, so there's this lady who's hitchhiking. Yes! Yeah, she has a little sign that says Canada in love. And, uh... Something like that. That's exactly what it says, I checked. And okay. they they drive by, they're like, oh, let's pick her up. And they're like, well, where are we going to fit her? <laughs> Funny meme. Yeah, she was called Fat Girl in the script, by the way. Nice one. Um, mean. <laughs> yeah. But... And they anyway, and then uh, our our resident dickhead in this car mm-hmm. uh, sticks his head out and says, "Hey, you got a sister?" Yeah, fuck that dude. Jesus Christ! 
<laughs> they're good. They were good at making them unlikable. Oh, yeah. I feel like they literally meant to do it this time. This shit's great. She's and then the, the the hitchhiker spins the sign around and it says "fuck you," <laughs> which is fantastic. That means it's yeah. the first time this has happened to her, which is sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it is. Okay, by the way, this is Barney Hellman uh, as the hitchhiker, not named in the script, just the hitchhiker, and. Uh, so, so her agents told her that she shouldn't take this role because uh, it doesn't have any lines. But then she took the job anyway. I don't know why. Because it's a pretty unflattering role that seems to make fun of her for being fat. Because, like, what happens next is, is, is a Jason kill scene where she starts eating a banana. Uh-huh. And then Jason kills her and she, like, squishes the banana real hard. And has, like, a mouthful of banana while she's dying and choking. Yeah. And, like, I don't know. Are they, like, making fun of her because she's fat? I assume. But, she's like, why? Banana. It's good for she's you. She's eating a banana. Dude, there's so much potassium in those little baby boys. <laughs> we're we're going to have a moment in the next one that is more definitive as a making fun of a fat person moment. Uh, <laughs> where the dude's eating chocolate. Uh, I've seen that scene a lot because oh, yeah. it is hysterical. Um <laughs> I've seen it isolated. Some, I somehow avoided the Crispin Glover dance. I don't know. That surprised me. I did not anticipate that at all. That fucking killed me. But um, <laughs> I have seen several little isolated scenes from these movies because these movies are full of little bizarre moments. This is one of them, I, I would say. The, the, the death via choking while eating banana is uh, interesting. <laughs> But anyway, Jason will take a while to kill anybody else. We got to um, introduce more characters and you no, know, everybody has to meet and let's go. Yep. So our, our <laughs> big dumb idiots pull up to a uh, <laughs> squad of idiots. Yeah. Pull up to the residence. I guess like just it's very close to the Jarvis household. Yeah. It's like their neighbors. Yeah. So. Hmm. Which uh, Tommy seems pretty enamored with because he gets to see some TNA uh, oh, yeah. when he's going to sleep at night. <laughs> Jesus, the way he acts that out. We'll get there. <laughs> God, it was funny. Um, so they, so the, they see them pull up and, uh, and Trish and Tommy go out mm-hmm. and, and meet them and greet them. Yep. And then we get a get a scene about let's, let's talk about how one girl's a virgin. Ooh. 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 Yeah, I think it's like the one girl was saying, like, hey, I fuck. You should fuck as well. And she's like, I don't wanna fuck. And she's like, loser. Not quite how it goes, but something like that. Whatever. It's not written very naturally. No one really nailed writing teenagers. I feel like every single writer of a Friday the 13th movie had to be like, you know, it had to be mandated like the presidency that you have to be 45 years old or something <laughs> to write these movies. Uh, and therefore, you you are not writing uh, the age group that you are familiar with. <laughs> and it, And all the dialogue is awkward as yeah. a result. <laughs> so, so then we got Tommy Jarvis in the bed. 
this scene is 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 legendary, man. Yep. Who through the window he sees girl taking her shirt off. Yeah. He's he like flops around in the bed. Yo, he hypes like as hell. Wild animal. And it's yeah. fucking terrible. <laughs> flips over. He's it's like ooh ooh. Like, it's like a fucking, he's like a fucking spectator at FGC tournament. Somebody like lands a comment, they go like, oh, oh! Oh, yeah, they gotta play that classic that? Street Fighter 3 clip. Oh, oh! Yeah. <laughs> when he's looking at the, the the titty for the first time in his life, probably. Right. Um, or maybe not. Uh, so, so apparently, so, so yeah, like, obviously they did their best to make it so that like Corey Feldman himself, a 12 year old at the time was not seeing some titty. Right. Um, he's not actually looking at tits here. He's just pretending. Um, <laughs> but apparently there was one instance, according to Corey Feldman, so take it with salt, where, uh, one of the girls leans down, maybe one of the twins that we meet in a bit here, uh, to pet the dog, Charlie, who is a champion. And I love, and we'll talk about why later, but, um, yeah, dude. But uh, Corey claimed that he could see uh, down the girl's shirt like really far and they weren't wearing like bras or anything because they were about to do the skinny dipping scene. So Corey Feldman was like, well, it titty. I'm like, all right, Corey, I half believe you. (laughs) But also like, oh, no, you saw some titty like, oh, well. Yep, and then after that awkward shit, you got all the kids, you got skinny dipping in the lake. Yeah, this is uh, your prerequisite before making a Friday the 13th film. is It has to have a scene with skinny dipping in it. And uh, I think this one, at least for the time, had the most nudity of any of these movies. Oh yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, cause man, it's usually like just one girl they were able to convince to be topless, but this one they had, uh, I think four girls get naked in this movie. Like that's, it's quite a increase. <laughs> Don't know how they were able to convince everybody to give up the goods for fucking Friday the 13th four, but, uh, well, they gave them money. That's how they did <laughs> Uh, do we meet the twins yet? Uh, I think it's... Is that coming up here? Yeah. I don't know if we meet the twins first or the other new character, because apparently there needs to be even more characters in this movie. Uh, I'm, I'm flipping through the rubber because there's so many fucking characters. Yeah. Uh, so we meet well, the, anyway. We meet, the other, we meet Rob first. Yeah. All right, so this is Rob. Uh, e. Eric Anderson as Rob Deere. That's his name. Uh, So we kind of find this out later, but I'm going to talk about it now because it's kind of interesting because there's not a lot of continuity between these films. But Rob is out for revenge hunting Jason. He claims that he's hunting bear. Um, They meet him on the side of the road when their car is having some problems. And like Corey being the whiz kid uh, or Tommy, I should say, uh, hops out to take a look under the hood because he's smart or whatever. Uh, and, uh, but then Rob comes up, he's got his backpack. He's like hiking and he helps them out. 
Um, and I think he says he's hunting bear. Yeah. But he's actually hunting Voorhees. And the reason is that Jason killed his sister, Sandra. And I looked it up, and yes, indeed, that is a reference to a character who actually was a victim in part two. Sandra was the one that got stabbed through the bed while fucking her dumb boyfriend in part two. Oh. Um, so that was his sister. Now, um, although that, that film came out three years prior to this one, uh, it takes place only two days later. So I guess Rob uh, set out for revenge pretty quick. And uh, yeah, <laughs> seems like he was pretty prepared pretty quickly or maybe not considering his death scene uh, <laughs> once we get to that yep so they uh <laughs> helps them get home yeah and then uh they take rob into the house introduce him to the family for some reason <laughs> just met this man on the side of the road uh i guess the 80s were a different time more trusting of hitchhikers <laughs> i suppose yeah, and then Tommy takes him upstairs, shows him the special effects room. Get all kinds of cool math yeah. and shit. He's like, wow, you made these out of fucking dry leaves? That's crazy, dude. Just stuff you found out in the woods, huh? Okay. <laughs> How did he make it? How did he make this shit? It's some cool shit. Um, you could see all of it uh, recreated faithfully in Friday the 13th, the game. Uh, yeah. Which we've been playing again, and it's fantastic. I love it. <sighs> Lots of uh, great recreations of locations in the movies, pretty accurately. Um, I, the Jarvis house in particular looks exactly like how it does in this movie. Uh, every little bit of it. It's pretty cool. Are you there, Justin? Yeah, sorry. I was slipping through looking to see what was coming up. Okay. Um. So, yeah, I think we do actually we do meet the twins somewhere in here. I'm trying to remember. Yeah, we have to. They they meet them. They're going to go skinny dip, right? And they yeah. meet them on the way to go do it. Right. They bike up to them. So this is Camilla and Carrie Moore as Tina and Terry. Uh, the hot twins, uh, fresh out of a s smutty fantasy that a teenage boy might have, um, but inserted into this movie for the real life. Whoa. Uh, so, um, Camilla auditions for the role of Samantha at first, but then the producers find out she has a twin sister. So then they cast her and Carrie in the roles of the twins. Now, I really have to wonder whether there were supposed to be twins in this movie uh, prior to the filmmakers meeting Camilla and Carrie, but uh, I seriously doubt it. <laughs> I think they wrote these characters in because it really feels like they wrote these characters in because they're not going on the trip with them. They just happen to meet them in the woods. <laughs> just just meet them. Here they are. Uh, but anyway, time for everybody to hang out and be, be teens and skinny dip. Hooray. I think that's all this scene really is. The, the one girl uh, pretends to fucking die, uh, which has now has now happened twice in Friday the 13th films. 
except that one was Ned in the first one pretending to fucking die. Right. Or no, I guess, well, if it's just pretending to die, or pretending to drown has happened twice, but pretending to die has happened three times. Yeah. Because Shelly in part three right. also pretended to die. Uh, yeah, that's like a trope at this point for these movies. <laughs> so the kids are having a party at their at their new house. At- <laughs> yeah, man. And uh, pass me a cores. Yep, they're, they're passing around some regular cores. Mm-hmm. You'll never know what it tastes like, and good for you. Probably shouldn't want to know. Just uh, pour some Budweiser in a Coors Light. <laughs> it's probably close enough. Yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Just drink a Budweiser and a Coors Light at the same time. Shotgun both of them. You can do it. I believe in you. Yep. Yeah, do they have music put on? Boy, do they ever. And then uh, our our, uh, our dancer boy here finally gets to show off his moves, I guess. You could call them moves. This is the best scene in the movie, as in it's the funniest. The, okay, the, motorcycle. The girl he asked to dance with them, well, I think it's one of the twins. Uh, yes. Dances like a normal human being. Mm-hmm. But he, uh, he does not. I, I would I would compare this to uh, again uh, to reference Seinfeld, uh, the episode where Elaine dances and everybody is outraged by it or whatever or like aghast at how bad she dances. It's very spastic and all over the place. Um, but it's like that, except even whiter and even nerdier. Uh, <laughs> with uh, Crispin Glover here, just like kind of having more of a seizure than dancing. Um, it's incredible. Now, to make it even better, uh, the song they use for this scene is Love is a Lie by Lion, which is funny enough. But on set, they were listening to a different song that they couldn't clear for the movie. Can you guess what it was? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a doozy. It was Back in Black by ACDC so apparently that song made him dance like that which I don't understand how you dance at all to ACDC but um you kind of just bang your head right (laughs) how could you dance like that to any song (sighs) well it doesn't fit the song that they chose but it also wouldn't fit back in black it wouldn't fit any song ever created correct because he's not dancing he's kind of just flailing about like a madman and (laughs) he's he's possessed by a demon and wriggling out the demon uh um it's great and i think that we're supposed to like think that he is dancing good as far as the script goes because the twin that he ends up hooking up with uh, does like him although her first choice is taken away from her yeah. um, so like does she think he's dancing good or that he's being funny like I can't really get a good vibe on it because who fucking knows because this was done just by Crispin Glover on set 
this wasn't scripted to dance this poorly. Crispin Glover claims that this is actually how he danced in like clubs and shit. And like, I don't know, dude. <laughs> I don't know about that one. That's uh, that's impressive. If he danced like that all the time, you do you, dude. I'm glad you did it. This it is it a great moment in film history. <laughs> Back to Jarvis' house. We kind of like go back and forth here yeah, a bit. It's uh, yeah. Back to Jarvis' house. Uh, you got the Bob. Uh, here go Rob. Sorry, Rob goes out to, to set up his camp. Bobbert. Bob. Yeah. Goes out yeah. to set up his camp. And girl fall, uh, uh, Tina follows him out. I think his name's Tina. Mm-hmm. His names. I think I got it right. She follows him out, and uh, no, I think Tina's one of the uh, uh, twins. Ah, uh, shit. The uh, I think uh, the. Main girl, I guess, is uh, Tracy. Tracy. It's close. T <laughs> names. Tracy Jarvis. It's Tommy and Tracy. Characters. Too many fucking yeah. characters in this movie. Anyway. There is. This one has the most. I think it has the highest body count of the series because of this. Yeah. Wow. It genuinely feels like there's just as many so that they could get more kills squeezed in there. Oh, yeah. For sure. <laughs> so, she follows him out. And like, hey, you could go shower at my place anytime. She's clearly, like, wanting to hang out with him. She thinks he's hot. Yeah. And, uh, sure. And he's like, oh, thanks. I appreciate that. He kisses her on the cheek and leaves. And that's that. Yeah. And then, they, then it goes back. Then we're back here. And we got we got our, our resident jackass here. Mm-hmm. Trying, to find a, trying to find a cork for the wine. It makes haha funny meme. I had to answer yes. by sticking his hand through his jeans. Oh, right. Yeah. The twins walks mm-hmm. in. Mm-hmm. And then that thing's kind of funny. He's like, he's like, yeah, he actually thinks that's funny. <laughs> it's like, ha, ah, get fucked, bro. Yeah, yeah. It's funny to me that the, the sequence of events here is actually, uh, he makes fun of Crispin Glover, but then Crispin Glover gets laid and he doesn't, and he's, like, pissed about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But he seems to have a better time than anybody, really. Uh, eventually, because <laughs> yeah, yeah. Then he makes. Then then yeah, you got the one. The one twin making the hots on Paul. Yeah, which makes uh, Samantha jealous. Yep. I, yeah, makes her angry and jealous. She walks out, uh, and then he's like, "I can't go through with this. I'm sorry." And he like goes after her later. Uh, but first off, she has to go uh, meet her demise. Yep, she uh, she strips. Uh oh, titty, and uh uh-oh, titty. Uh-oh, titty. Goes out <laughs> on the raft, and then uh, uh oh, here come Jason. Yep, knifes her through the raft. Kind of similar to the uh, Kevin Bacon. Kevin Bacon style kill. It's it's from an unsuspecting location below kill. Right. That's what I'll have the definition of the Kevin Bacon getting killed Bacon style. Ah, <laughs> with extra pain. Yeah. Yes. So so this is kind of fucked up. Um, actress Judy Aronson uh, had to stay submerged in cold water for so long during her death scene that she developed hypothermia. 
and uh, fucking the director wouldn't let her get out of the lake between fucking takes. And like, yeah, no shit. She got hypothermia. Like, are you fucking kidding me? In a cold lake at night? Like, what a fucking asshole. What do you expect? Uh, what, yeah. Uh, it seems that this was a pretty common theme on this movie, uh, that it had a troubled production, and a lot of the cast did not like the director because he mistreated them greatly. Uh, the budget was low. They couldn't afford uh, a lot of stunt doubles or anything like that. Really, you just have uh, Jason being played by a stuntman, who I actually, I guess I didn't talk about yet, but he hasn't really had his big reveal um, yet. He's still kind of like killing people from a distance. We haven't like really seen him, seen him. So I guess I'll wait for that. Uh, but yeah, the massacre has begun. And she makes a hilarious face as she's getting stabbed through this raft, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Probably doesn't feel great. <laughs> oh, I'm sure it's fine. Well, back to besides the, the hypothermia. Yeah. He's like, can't do this. He runs out. Time for Paul die. Yep, and then Paul goes out to the water. Runs up to the raft, sees that she's dead. He freaks out. Mm-hmm. As you would. Yep. And then, uh... I think at some point here, Jason goes into Rob's tent... Yeah, right after and breaks his Paul. gun. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, right after he kills Paul here by uh, shoving some kind of wooden thing. I can't tell what it is. Up into his it's a stick. Uh, up into his Bodor. Bodor. Like that. Up into, basically up into his dick. Which yeah, it's pretty grisly. And the, yeah, the heat starts, of course, screaming because <sighs> he has a pole in his dick. Well, you know, you would. And then Rob here <laughs> gets his machete out. Mm-hmm. Distance and like he's just looking around, and then he sees Machete. Sees a uh, Jason at the corner of his eye. Checks his tent. Oh, his gun's broken. Yeah, Jason just dismantled his gun and then fucked off. He was like, "Ha ha, ha Fuck you, jerk. Now you can't shoot me and stun me briefly like in the video game later. <laughs> uh. So back in, back at the house, we got. Back at the fuck house. Yep, we got we got one of the one of the twins. Uh huh. Going to fuck. It's fuck time. With Crispin Glover at that. Uh, so here we go. And uh, he is he's a dead fuck no longer as he has the the schnecks and uh, <laughs> and uh, then gloats about it to his buddy who's been making fun of him the whole time. He's like, I'm not. Hey, how about? Who's the dead fuck now? Eh. But his buddy does congratulate him. So I, I don't know. I really forget the order of deaths here, but everybody's about to die. Um, <laughs> yes. And in quick succession. So first uh, we get the Jarvis mom. Yeah, this one's weird because you don't see it happen. And I thought that there was going to be some kind of reason for that. Like maybe she was going to be a character like... Uh, the uh, the biker dude in three or the boyfriend in two who you think dies, but then comes back later in the movie to have some kind of like big moment uh, that helps out the main character. But no, I guess she just dies off camera. And this led to a lot of debate about whether she died or not, because like fans were convinced there was a reason they didn't show it. 
And uh, I don't. I think in part six they confirm that she's dead. But yeah, not until then. <laughs> but whatever. I guess I just forgot. <laughs> whatever. Yep. So. <clears throat> So we got uh, Tracy, I keep forgetting your fucking name, and Tommy. Yes. Driving in the car, going back to, to the house so she can uh, she can go to the party. She wants to go to the party. Yeah. Bad idea. But she doesn't know that. Right. But then they get back and they notice mom's not there. And they're like, what the fuck? The power's not working? They're all confused. Mm-hmm. Stay here, Tommy. Yep, she goes and looks at the path, finds Rob's tent. And he's very aggressive uh, when he when he sees her. Pulls the machete on her, I believe. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And uh, th- this is when he explains everything about Jason. And, uh, you know, I, I guess it, it's been on the news for the previous couple of days. So she kind of takes everything he says at face value and believes him, which... I, I would assume that some of these movies are going to play around with people not believing oh, in yeah, Jason. Point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but like, for now, I guess it's just, like, everybody accepts it as fact that this is just happening because um, it's been all over, the, all over the news. Yeah. And I guess they reported that Jason, in, in the movie, that, that, like, he didn't escape the hospital. But he did. And for some reason, Rob knows this. But I don't know why. <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, scoping out the hospital or something. He's being a creep. Yeah. I, I guess originally they uh, wanted Rob to have some kind of weirdo high tech equipment that he was actually going to use to track Jason somehow, but they decided it was too cartoonish and stupid. And I think that was a good decision, but it would have been funny. So maybe it was a bad decision. They should have had him like with Neil Breen, like with like some like satellite dishes in the trunk of his car, eating tuna on the side of the road. Oh, hell yeah. Would have been the shit, dude. <laughs> Tracking Jason Voorhees with my satellite dish here uh, because Jason emits radio waves or something. <laughs> like, how's he tracking Jason? Did he put a tracer on him? How else would he be able to do it with his high tech equipment? Like, <laughs> What do you do? Oh man! So next, here, here's some more. Here's some the kills. Really start ramping up now. We've got Dancer yeah. Boy after he's done yucking. He's trying to find a water bottle. <laughs> trying to find a, the corkscrew to get the wine bottle open. He yeah, he's like, where's the corkscrew? Hanging his mouth open like a jackass. It goes like Ted. Yeah, Ted, who is who has found a uh, ancient. Porn, yeah, I guess, or something, uh, and just thinks it's the damnedest funniest thing. Which I'm not really sure why. It's just old footage of like topless women and shit, and he's just laughing at it a lot. Yeah, I don't know. Like super high, super just blazed out of his mind, just laughing at everything. Maybe it was uh, not even acting. Who knows? Um, but, but man, he, he's really going at it and laughing. Yeah, but anyway. Susie asks, Ted, where's the corkscrew? Jason comes up and stabs his hand with the corkscrew. Uh, it's Jason now has comedic timing. Jason has learned comedic timing. 
took yeah. four movies. It did. But here he is. And then he th- puts a butcher knife in the kid's head. It's pretty <laughs> brutal, pretty awesome. I love how quick it was, too, because, like, you don't have a lot of time to, like, think about it. It just goes to the next death. Mm-hmm. And then and this the, whole uh, segment of the movie is pretty uh, great because of that. It's just like, you know, bam, bam, bam. These yep. people are flawing off the map. That's <laughs> my favorite death in the entire movie. We have... We have Better the girl, than the last one? Yep. The, the girl oh. he just chucked is uh, sitting at the window looking outside. Wonder where he is. <laughs> yeah. And then uh, Jason went back outside, I guess. is now at the second floor outside. He, and he, just, he teleported, yep. you know. <laughs> Didn't they hear the music from the video game? And then, uh, and he busts his hands through the window, grabs her, and straight yeets this girl out the fucking window. Yeah, it's in slow motion. Yeet. And she lands on the car with a thud and dies. And yeah, she got yeeted into oblivion. Um, rip. <laughs> it is a great death. Um, and one that doesn't have any blood, really. Uh, cool that they thought of creative ways to kill people in the fourth installment of this fucking series. <laughs> So, get a little bit of exposition here. This is Rob, Rob telling telling Trish about like what happened and why he's here to kill Jason and all that shit. Yeah, talk about his sister and all that crap. Yeah, they got a bunch of uh, newspaper clippings detailing shit, which like I guess are from a couple days ago. Uh, but <laughs> like this movie treats it like he's been hunting Jason for years, but it's only been like two days. If you believe the timeline of events here, right. I wonder if they forgot that it's only been a couple of days. Probably. <laughs> Filmmakers don't care. But yeah. No, Ted, asshole Ted over here, uh, high out of his fucking mind, <laughs> goes up to the screen and then, like, the projector stops and he's like, haha, funny meme, and starts laughing. And then yeah. Jason stabs him in the back of the head through the screwy screen, which is pretty neat. Yep. That's a good one. Then we got, then we got the, uh, I like the sound of the projector continuously flapping in the background. I like the film reel. Mm-hmm. It's good. <laughs> Who else needs to die? The then other. Got, uh, yeah, then we have the, the other girl and, that, and one guy fucking in the shower. Oh, did we miss the other twin who Jason killed? Because she, like, left beforehand. Oh, yeah, no, she probably died first before the other twin, and I probably missed it. I forget. She died, though. Yeah. She did. I just forget how it happened. I don't, know, I don't remember. <laughs> the way she died. <laughs> the the other death was cracker. better. Yeah, first of all, yeah. the heat was pretty fucking good. And uh, yeah, Dudorino here in the shower, still showering. And Jason comes in. Mm-hmm. Fucking grabs him through the grass. Fucking sick. And just oh my pushes God. his head against the wall until basically it just fucking snaps. It's disgusting. Yeah. And then the girl walks back into the shower and sees his corpse. Yeah. And uh, she starts obviously losing it because she just sees she just saw a corpse. Right. Screaming for Samantha, she sprints downstairs and starts seeing all the damage. Mm-hmm. 
Oh, by the way, before we get too far away from it, so actor Peter Barton here was actually slammed into the shower wall during this death scene here. That probably hurt. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it probably fucking did. Uh, unsafe <laughs> working on this movie. Uh, glad nobody actually fucking died. Right. But, um, yeah, and then she's the last victim here for a while. Um, yep, as all all the kids have been killed, I yep. guess. She gets an axe thrown at her through a door, which is pretty sick. Yeah. Oof. Oh, boy. Doesn't get to be the final girl. No such luck. Mm-hmm. And Robert Trish comes back to the Jarvis household to get Tommy. Yeah. I'm trying to figure out what the fuck's going on. Uh-huh. And I, I guess, like, we're we're about to have, like, full reveal of Jason. Unless that's already happened. Nope, not yet. Uh, not entirely. It's still kind of a little <sighs> weird. Like, kind of like half, mm. half shit. Yeah. Yeah, sure. They're still trying to be, like, mysterious because it's tradition. Even though we know it's Jason by now. Right. <laughs> so, he walks down to the basement. <sighs> So their house, they go and explore it. They find Gordon. Yes. Time Doggo. For... Good dog. Um, Great dog. This scene is insane, though. It makes no sense because the dog fucking says, I'm out of here. Right? Yeah. And goes out the fucking window. So he just jumps out the window, dude. What the fuck, dude? <laughs> I don't know. I, I, I don't know how they filmed this part. How'd that dog break that window? I don't know. Um, oh, using like really just cheap, like like set glass. There's like there's specific set glass you can make that's actually like like kind of like plasticky. I suppose so. Broken. Yeah, as long as the dog didn't get hurt. Right. I hope. I love that the dog just says "fuck it" out the window. And he's gone. <laughs> he's gone. He's like, I'm not getting killed by Jason. Fuck this just shit. Fuck this shit. I'm out. Jumps out the fucking window, dude. <laughs> Hell yeah. Good dog. Good dog. Good that, dog. That was yeah. the move. Okay. That was that yeah. was the move. Yeah, him and the you know, who who is it successfully escaped Jason? A couple final girls. The one dude who decided to stay out in bar hop instead of coming back to camp. And, and this dog. dog. Yep. That's it. Yeah. Dog's a fucking champ. Hell yeah. I'm glad. Good good boy. He did it. He escaped. So now Fuck that shit. So Trish walks over to the other house to see what the fuck's going on over there. And she uh, she sees the bodies, and she immediately freaks the fuck out, runs and tells As Rob. Yeah, of course. And I think this is where we get this scene, yeah. Yeah. We finally see Jason, and we get Rob's death scene. Uh, which is hysterical. Yep, he's Rob, run, run! He's killing me! Oh God, he's killing me! He's getting fucking killed by a fucking garden scraper, dude. Yeah, and he, yeah. So, so like, here's the here's the dealio. Um, Zito and Cohen, uh, their intention with this scene was to have it not be hilarious, um, but it ended up being hilarious either due to the performance. Or the writing. Who knows? Probably just a combination of everything. Oh, yeah. But their original intention was to have this be somewhat chilling. They were inspired by... um, I'm trying to remember. 
it's a new story. This new story is also referenced in Watchmen. This when I first heard about it, uh, about a woman named uh, uh, Kitty Genovese or whatever, and she was like raped and murdered, I believe, uh, and like thirty neighbors reported it. It said that they heard it, but they didn't do anything to stop it. Uh, so they were kind of thinking of that when they wrote this, and they said, wouldn't it be chilling to have a character just continuously call out for help, but nobody does anything to stop it? And, like, I get their intent, but... It did not work. Not even close to good execution on this one, guys. No, the not even close. <laughs> like, he he's he's just pathetic. He's just like, ah, oh, God. <laughs> he's killing me. So this is like one of the funniest, most memorable deaths in the entire franchise. Um, and perhaps because of this, uh, R- Rob was chosen to be featured in Friday the 13th, the game. Not as a playable character, but as the first counselor to die in the opening cutscene of every single match. <laughs> every single match starts with uh, the counselors hanging out, and then Rob gets killed, and then everybody freaks out and runs their separate ways. That's how every single match starts. Friday the 13th, the game. Uh, and it's great that they chose Rob. It makes a lot of sense. Man, they, they did a good job with that game. We're going to get more of that towards the end of it. Man. Yeah, for sure. And and, and in a disappointing way, too. Because, yeah. yeah, we'll, yeah. We're going to do a full breakdown of that game, though, because I think it deserves it. I guess the final episode we'll save it for, because it is more recent than any of the movies, for sure. Exactly. Um. So, now we, we are down to the Jarvises. <laughs> and yep. She, Two people left. Yeah. She runs back. To, to Tommy starts boarding up the door and the windows the guy's yeah. coming I guess this is a good p- part to talk about who played Jason in this movie because we've seen him and we're about to get a big scene from him uh, this is Ted White as Jason Voorhees White was a stuntman because of course that's like a it has to be in your resume to play Jason Voorhees pretty sure uh, they're going to make you do stunts anyway so it might as well so this man is fucking humongous. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it works as a very effective, um, imposing figure. Uh, he's he's the biggest Jason we've seen so far. He is a big guy. For you? For you. Yes, I was waiting for you to say. And uh, this guy served as John Wayne's stunt double back in the day for several films. Um and you can see why, because he's a big fucking dude. Um, now, White says he only took the role of Jason Voorhees because he needed money badly. And he did not have a good time making this movie. He feuded with the director during filming. Uh, he really objected to the bad treatment of the cast and himself. Um, like, he he was angered by the uh, Judy Aronson developing hypothermia. He was angered that Zito didn't let get out of the fucking lake between takes. He requested Peter Barton have a shower, have like a crash pad for the stunt of him getting slammed into the shower wall. No such luck. He threatened to quit over that. He just had his entire experience was him being pissed off at Zito. 
during the entire shoot. So much so that he eventually demanded his name be removed from the credits of the movie. Uh, and he called it a piece of shit. Um, now, despite this, he would have a legacy as one of the fan favorite Jason performances. And, and eventually he would be credited for his role down the line when they used archival footage of him from this movie for part seven. They finally credited him. But for now, he was like, fuck that shit. <laughs> and, then, uh, and then the chase begins. Yeah. Our final girl and Jason. She runs the yeah. house. Mm-hmm. And uh, is able to give him the slip, I guess, for a minute. Uh, I think she hits him with another thing. Yeah. She cuts. She straight up. So she has to jump out of the window of the other house then run back to the garbage. That's house. right. And she's fine, but not really. She's, like, really fucked up. Yeah. Um. She told Tommy to, like, fucking book it, right? Yeah. Yeah, she tells him to get out of there. <laughs> the inner stitch with this is Tommy not leaving the house. Instead, yeah, but instead he does some research, detective mode on, reads about Jason Voorhees and everything that happened, and somehow puts together this nonsense of a plan that he's going to do. Um, but anyway, before that, she jumps out runs away from Jason, goes back to the house, and is like, Tommy, you were supposed to leave. So so this scene is has a great tidbit coming up here where Tommy's at the window and Jason crashes in and grabs his ass. Yeah. So Ted White hated Corey Feldman. He called him quote, the meanest goddamn little kid. <laughs> that, that's that's his quote about Corey Feldman. He was he just thought he was a bratty piece of shit and hated working with him. Uh, for Corey's part, he did admit that he was bratty during the filming of this, and that was because of the director Zito, uh, who he also hated. Seems like that was pretty common. Everybody seems to have disliked their experience working on this movie with the director Zito. Um, be that as it may, I guess they had it in common that they hated Zito, but um, Ted White was still really annoyed by Corey Feldman. So here comes an opportunity to, uh, you know, kind of get back at him a little bit and uh, vent some of his frustrations with this brat. Um, so how this is supposed to work is... On a cue that they set up beforehand, Ted White will do the stunt, crash through the window, and grab Corey. But he decides to wait a really fucking long time before doing it. So Corey thinks that the stunt has gone wrong, and the timing is off, and nothing is going to happen. And then Ted White crashes through the window and grabs Corey Feldman. So that is genuine, actual terror on Corey's face in that scene because he did not expect it to happen. My <laughs> so, of the poor kid. Yeah, I guess, it, I guess Corey Feldman being a fucking little dickhead 
really influenced Ted White's performance to uh, murder him. Uh, great. That's some good method acting right there. <laughs> oh, well. Um, anyway. Uh, final girl gets him off of him somehow, and they go she, upstairs, uh, right? Them, no, that already happened. Oh, right. You're right. Yeah, so now they, she jumps out that window gets chased back into Jarvis' residence. Yes. And she gets the machete. Right. Practically cuts the dude's hand off. Right. Jason just looks at it like, oh, that sucks. Yeah, it <laughs> it's like right back after her. Cool effect. Yep. So he gets her on the ground and starts choking her. <laughs> yes. And then uh, Tommy walks downstairs with his, with his new hairdo. Model to look yes. like Jason in the lake? Um, it I I question a lot of this, but it, A, it looks like shit. Um, you know, all credit to Tom Savini where credit is due, but this doesn't look very good. Clearly, Corey is just wearing a bald cap, and it looks like it... <laughs> it doesn't look like he shaved his head or anything. It looks like crap. And also there's like little patches of hair over all around because he did it in a frenzy, I assume. Uh-huh. Like so that was a good detail, but it just doesn't look very good. But I guess he did it so that he appears like Jason and he tricks Jason into thinking that he is Jason. It really doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Um, like Jason being tricked into thinking that someone is his mom, despite the fact that his mom is dead and he, you know, saw her decapitated or whatever, if we're to assume that he saw that, um, him being tricked that someone is his mom makes a lot more sense than him being tricked into seeing someone and thinking it's him. I don't understand how that works, but be that as it may, it works. It stuns Jason and uh, Tommy Jarvis is able to do the final blow, I suppose. And boy, this effect is fucking great. Uh, he stabs Jason in the fucking head and the machete is embedded in his head. And then Jason lands on it and it like slides up the rest of his head. And uh, that was a puppet, by the way, controlled by Tom Savini. Great, cool prop. Wonder where that's at now. Who knows? Uh, <laughs> probably fucking deteriorating because of the weathering. Like, you know, do you, you ever see those like fucking Ninja Turtle costumes that oh, yeah. get get put up for sale and they look like fucking monstrous now because they're like rotting? They're like Ninja Turtle zombies now. <laughs> Stuff doesn't last forever, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, cool effect. And uh, so Jason is dead, but then he's twitching a little bit. And then Tommy just snaps and uh, just goes off and starts yelling, die, 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 and just slashing repeatedly. And uh, his sister didn't see Jason twitch, so she thinks he's just being fucking nutty. Speaking of being nutty, um, Corey Feldman admitted that uh, the way they did this scene was uh, they had sandbags on the ground that he would hack at off screen. He was pretending. Now, in the scene, for motivation, Corey Feldman said he pretended the sandbags were the director of the film. 
<laughs> and, he hacked, and he hacked at the sandbags and yelled die. And I'm like, oh boy. Uh, you know, I guess this Joseph Zito is a piece of shit because, man, no love lost between him and the entirety of the crew. Right. <laughs> uh, man. So you know, I didn't I didn't read any stories like this about any of the other directors going like, yeah, man, Cunningham was a piece of shit. Minor was a piece of shit. Like, everybody was like, yeah, they were, it was fine. Like clearly, like, you know, the only thing close to this was for three. They talked about how they were more concerned about 3D effects than good acting. But nobody was like getting hypothermia or fucking head trauma. You know, exactly. <laughs> like this is a whole different story. Good. Anyway. So. <clears throat> Now we're now we're in the hospital. It's, it's over. And it's over. Tommy finds finds his sister. They hug, and then it's a little like, "Haha, I got you." At the end, he like opens his eyes and like coolly stares at the camera. And it's really stupid. And I. Hate it. it is a bad ending uh, because I don't want Corey Feldman to be the new Jason. That's a stupid idea. And they also agreed that it was a stupid idea because they abandoned this idea immediately. Um, <laughs> but I guess we'll see how it all ties together in part five or we won't. Um, so anyway, that was the not final chapter. Oh, it's over. Um, we're done, right? Right. Yeah, sure. Oh. So $2.2 million budget, but it made 33 million. Another big success for the series, uh, so much so that the plans to actually have the film in the series uh, didn't last long, with part five being released the following year. <laughs> really didn't take them that long to uh, decide to just, you know, make another one, keep going. Now, as usual, critics hated the movie. Uh, calling it, you know, blah, 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 reprehensible, blah, blah, blah. You know the drill. Uh, Siskel and Ebert uh, joked that it was called the final chapter because Paramount was embarrassed and wanted to put an end to the series, uh, which, uh, you know, I wasn't that far off base, but they decided not to end the series. No such luck, guys. You're going to have to review another Friday the 13th movie <laughs> next year. Uh, it's funny. And... uh Obviously, as usual, we got a low Rotten Tomatoes score. Let me look that up real quick. Can't imagine it was anywhere near to the other one. I imagine it's twenty percent. Yeah, which is about middle of the road for this franchise. You know, we're we're never gonna have a good one. You know, nope. our highest is the original with a sixty-two. But uh, honestly, I suppose we should talk about where we would rank this. I don't really perceive of these like maybe one is a better made movie but i don't really perceive of these movies as ranking movies in a order that is like best made to worst made no, it's i would say you have to do most enjoyable to least enjoyable and i would still say that i enjoyed one the least i agree and this one is a candidate for the best in terms of enjoyability because boy is it funny but three and two were also really good and better made. I think I think I think I would lean to it being three, two, four, one. What do you think? Yeah, I'm in for that. I think that sounds right to me. And it's not by a wide margin between any of these movies. No, those three are really close. I think one's a little bit further. <laughs> but those three are really close. The, the biggest gap is between four and one right now. 
Uh, it remains to be seen. I wonder if we're going to put anything below one because I still feel like even a bad movie about Jason is still more interesting than one, but we'll see. I, I know there's some that down the line that are real stinkers, uh, but uh, we'll get at least one or two of these that are really insufferable and then they'll probably. Be yeah. Fun. Hey, maybe it'll be as early as next week when we watch Friday the 13th part five, oh a new beginning. Um, have to give it, have to give it some dumb subtitle. So all I know about this one is what I know from the game, which is it's not Jason. Yeah. It is some guy. Uh, and Tommy Jarvis is in it. Yep. But other than that, I don't know anything about part five. I, I'm very curious to see what they do with one of these movies when Jason Voorhees is not necessarily the focal point i assume they're going to pretend that it's jason Voorhees the entire movie and then the reveal is that it's not right um but there will be somebody wearing a hockey mask killing people so the assumption will be that it's jason Voorhees, and then it'll just be somebody else right for some reason yeah it's gonna it it's probably is not gonna be good this (laughs) this is where my this is where like besides like jason x and freddy jason and a little bit of another one it's where your knowledge ends. Yeah, this is where it ends. I've I've seen all yeah. of these movies before, and I've seen Jason X to Freddy vs. Jason in its entirety. I've not seen any other movie in this franchise in its entirety. Well, there's a bunch. Yeah, so to get through. Fun. We got we got five movies, I think. Yep, five more. That you have not. No, we have more than that. I'm saying five that you haven't seen. Yeah. yeah. There's twelve total. We have eight to go. Yeah. Yeah, I know. We're not even halfway. It's weird to think. We got to the final chapter, and we're not even halfway. It's kind of hilarious to think about. Bad meme. Well, you know, what are you going to do? All right. I got to go pee. Bye. Hey, same, dude. (laughs) Bye.